Let me ask you a question. Do you have faith in humanity? When you think of your fellow humans, do you have hope for a brighter future? Well, today's guest will give you hope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Resilient Journey podcast, sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I'm joined by the CEO of SEMO Electric Cooperative. He's the host of the Friday feature, a short weekly video clip of positivity. His name is Sean Van Slyke, and he is a leader. And that's what we're discussing today, leadership. Listen as Sean provides six tips for being a better leader, even if you're a team of one. He discusses how to remain positive if things go wrong. And I even get a little personal with a story of my own. It all starts right after this from Clear Risk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis, helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Before we begin, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, that is a great question. It's always hard to answer that because you feel like you don't want to brag uh, and you also want to stay humble. And with all the things that are going on in the world right now, uh, what I do and what I what, what I what we do here at, at the office or in my personal life feels pretty in, insignificant yeah. with what's going on in Ukraine right now. But I, you know, I, I grew up with my grand grandparents, if you will, um, on a dairy farm. So we have we have uh, I have this this work ethic in me, and I married a dairy farmer. And if I hadn't done that, uh, we'd probably been divorced. But now we're going on thirty four years, and uh, we're very active, and we. We, we enjoy working and we enjoy playing and we tend to be around people who like to do similar things in, in terms of work and, and play and, and we don't have a lot of outside interests. So we, uh, we just enjoy, enjoy our time together. Well, the thing about uh, being a dairy farmer is uh, there's either no days off or you have to make some pretty significant arrangements if you're going to uh, take some time off because uh, uh, the cows aren't going to wait for you. Right. You know, interesting, I was at a conference this week, and it's kind of nice to see the world coming back together because, uh, uh, you know, COVID has passed us now. If you were not passed us completely, but people are coming back together. But right. the term I heard this week was week, weekend envy. Uh, I was at, a, at a, an agricultural type meeting, if you will, and, and people who have 24-hour jobs, if you will, dairy farming or different things, own a restaurant. There's a lot of them out there, but that they may have weekend envy because their friends are going off to snow ski or they're going off to water ski or they're going off on vacation. And unless they find somebody to tend to their business, uh, they're not going anywhere. And so the, the world is, is changing a little bit with that. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective for sure. Now, you're part two in a little mini series that I'm doing on leadership. And you fit right into that conversation. Uh, as a matter of fact, the tagline on your LinkedIn profile says, helping leaders help others. So talk about that and why that's important to you. As I've gotten older in my career, and now it's 30 some years of, of leading or managing people or being around people to help them get better. I get more satisfaction out of seeing somebody be, be successful than I do my own success. 
I, I love it. I'll relate it to when I was coaching U18, uh, under 18 soccer, girls soccer for, for many years. I, I loved it when I would pull somebody, a, a fullback, if you will, or a defensive person up into to the front and let them score their first goal. And, and the tears of joy or the screams of joy, whatever you, you might say, I like to see that in the business world. I, I just, I, I enjoy that. I like to see people do things they thought were impossible or maybe they were hired for one job, but they never considered what else they could possibly do. And, and I, as I get older, I, I just find that that's more exhilarating for me than it is uh, for my own success. You know, we, we talked about the word leader there. I'd like to expand on that for a minute because that's that's leadership. You said at one point in your career that you were a manager, but not a leader. So explain the difference between those two terms and maybe those two approaches and talk a little bit about what turns someone into a leader. That's a, that's a long question. Let's see if I can do it justice. I, you know, early in my life, when I was in my early 20s, I was blessed enough to become a publisher, editor and publisher of a newspaper for a, a chain of newspapers. And I got the job because I was a, a, a photographer. I'd won some awards in college, but I dropped out of college with a 1.8 GPA. I later went back and finished blah, blah, blah. But but the point being, I took this job as a photographer. I didn't know how to write and I didn't know how to manage people or much less lead people. And I didn't delegate. And I quickly burnt myself out in three years trying to work 100 hours a week. I applied the dairy farm concept to just work all the time. Yeah. And my wife would at the time, she would bring me, my wife, still my wife, but she would bring me clothes. She'd bring me food up to the office at the newspaper. And, and we had a, a baby at the time. And I missed my daughter's first three years of her life, basically, because I was working. And I don't have any memories of her as a baby. But what I learned through that experience, and I finally burnt out and, and just stopped and quit and went to do something else, is I didn't know how to delegate. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to delegate. I didn't know how to trust people. And I had to learn how to do that myself uh, in, in a hard way because uh, that, that's, that's not the secret to being successful, but it's a big part of when you're leading people, you have to trust them and you have to delegate to them and you have to be clear. And even today, I'm still working on that. I. I have a, a note right here on my desk that, that that one of my direct reports writes down clarity, clarity, clarity. Sean, be more clear with us. Tell us exactly what you want. Don't be vague. But I tend to be vague because I speak in parables or I te- uh, talk in stories because I want people to figure it out on their own. I don't always want to give them the answer. But there yeah. are times, there are times though, you have to be clear. Okay. I, I like that. I'm going to follow up on that because I agree with you that part of being a leader is to develop people. And, and you've already alluded to that. Talk about that a little bit. Like you're developing people more, aren't you? If you can just sort of allude to a need and, and let them sort it out rather than you having to dictate specifically the course of action to take. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I'd also say I measure in terms of risk now. If if I'm going to ask you to do something or encourage you to do something or coach you to do something or however you want to get there to the to that end of that, whatever that particular thing is, I have to measure the risk now as a leader, as a CEO. Is it something that that if they don't get it done, that it it could harm the the, the cooperative or the organization? Or is it something they can do and learn and make a mistake and yet learn from that mistake? And then 20 years from now, it really pays off for them. So we, we recently had an example of that where somebody uh, it was just it's just a mistake, but it did cost uh, dollars for the for the organization. Uh, but the person that made the mistake is young, and that mistake will stay with them for the next thirty years in this organization if they stay here at this organization. And it will pay it will pay dividends beyond what that mistake costs us today. And and I've learned to be more 
more patient with that or more understanding or to take it and make it make lemon. I mean, really make a sour lemon into lemonade. And I know that's an old saying, but you have to learn to do that. Otherwise, uh, things will eat you up if you don't. And it, it's hard enough to, to be it's hard to be perfect, period. Yeah, you're not going to be perfect. And that's for sure. And I, I like that. I mean, mistakes, I mean, sometimes are fatal, but generally are not. And I guess as the leader, yes, if I gave specific instructions and that person didn't follow those instructions, then that's one thing. But if I spoke in terms of parables and gave general or vague uh, ideas of what needed to be done, and they interpreted it that a little differently, then I guess you can be more forgiving with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's processes for everything or for most things. And if you follow the process, you can figure it out. But teach, teaching, you know, people learn more when they're teaching others. And we have that philosophy here at our organization. And I just this morning before I came on here, somebody was asking me some questions about financial statements. And, you know, they're trying to learn. They're, they're not a finance person, but they're trying to learn. And my suggestion to them was start teaching other people about what you know about finances and go slow and, and just walk up that ladder. And eventually you'll, you may not ever become an expert, but you'll have knowledge enough that you feel comfortable talking to other people about finances. One of the things that jumps out at me about you, and I first became aware of you because of this, is the Friday feature videos that you've been doing. And they always focus on something positive. And you've been doing these for a couple of years now. What got you started on doing these little short videos? We started, and I say we, I, we, whatever, but we started that because of COVID and the hope that people needed. If you go back, I think the first one was March of uh, the late March of 2020. I could just see in people's eyes that they were tired. There were days they were lost uh, because COVID just, just, you know, took over from March 11th to at least in our area, March, you know, in the States, if you will, March 11th, um, it just really hit hard and people were lost. And I had actually had done one the week before, which we, we, we could call zero. Uh, but the first one was just to give people hope. And I, I think when people do things like that, and Mark, you have your own, Pay it forward Saturday, and I'm curious about that. Why you started that? Uh, you've been doing that now for it looks like almost ten years. I, yeah. I think that's pretty cool, and I don't know how often you tell people that you're doing that. Uh, but pay it forward Saturday is pretty cool. I, I guess we can talk about that uh, quickly here. So, pay it forward Saturday started kind of organically. So my wife and I were uh, at a diner. It was uh, the Saturday before Christmas. And, you know, you described the look that everybody had related to COVID. Uh, we saw a similar look. We saw uh, a look of people just being stressed and, you, you know, just uh, overwhelmed almost with everything that still had to be done just a couple of days before Christmas. So we had this idea that we wanted to pay for somebody's meal and we wanted to do it secretly. So we called the waitress over and we said, hey, uh, it, you know, the regulars that come in here, is there someone who could benefit from just a, a nice little pleasant surprise where we just paid for their breakfast? And she said, yeah, leave it with me. I know exactly who to, to do that for. And she pointed them out and it was a family of four, a couple of young kids. And we said, perfect. So before we leave, here's what we want you to do. Just bring us the bill. Don't tell anybody what we're doing. And now here I am telling everybody what we did. Um, but, uh, you know, we believe in doing good things in secret, right. And, uh, uh, lay up those treasures kind of a thing. And so, so she brought us the bill and we paid for it and we, and we just had a right on the back, pay it forward. 
And uh, we left the diner uh, pretty excited about what we had done. Not, I don't want to say overly feeling good about ourselves, but we we're just happy to be able to do something nice for somebody. And uh, so after that, we ended up in the mall and we happened to see that family <laughs> wow. in the mall. Now, they didn't know us. They didn't know that we had done it, but they were running through the mall. They were elated. And it just felt to me that there was a connection between what we had done for them about an hour earlier and what we saw out of them and the whole, just the whole countenance was different. And so we said, you know what, we have to do this. And so now every year, the last Saturday before Christmas, we do pay it forward Saturday. And, and that's what that's about. That's awesome. And as you develop that following and get more people on there. Yeah, you know, that, that's the hard thing about the Bible, whether you're Christian or not. Understand the Bible is the best selling book of all time. Right. For don't a reason. Hand, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. But what you just described is actually leadership. And by you sharing your story, you actually inspire other people. So that's a hard rope a tug of war with me all the time is to let people know what you do on a good. But on the other hand, to not tell people. But you do inspire people by letting them know what you do. That's exactly right. And you know, what we'll do as we get closer to it, we're recording this in March. And so we're a long way away and, and don't let me forget, but let's coordinate on that. I would love to have you sort of, you know, help drive a, a, a local pay it forward thing. And, and uh, now that everybody's listening, Hey, keep me honest, pay it forward. Saturday is coming in December. Let's uh, l- let's figure that out together. So thank you for asking me about that. Let's go back to your Friday feature. So you've done about not just over 100, 102, 103, I think, at the time of this recording. Does one stand out to you? Like, what's your favorite one that you did? I have two because I want to answer this uh, positive, And I guess the opposite of that would be the one that was the hardest. Number okay. 13, because I, I, I my, my safe zone is in the water. Uh, I love to be in rivers or lakes or, or just, just around water. And number 13 was probably because I, I had to wade out into the middle of the, the river and it was pretty cold and uh, doing a selfie with my phone. You don't want to lose your phone. And, uh, you know, just talked about how a river is always changing and how we have to flow with, with life sometimes and COVID. What, what, a, what an illustration with COVID. We've just had to flow through this. There, there was no way, there was no playbook. There was no answers, um, still really no answers to it. We just have to be so flexible and adjustable. But like a river, the river is always changing the water. It's never the same thing. And, uh, and then I, I kind of stepped back and I lost my, not my balance necessarily, but I went under the water and just this gasp of, you could just feel that cold, that cold water take over. And, and I think I remember that one because it was, it was real and there was nothing I could do. You know, it was what it was. And the hardest one I would say was episode 46, because um, when I recorded that at seven o'clock that Friday morning, my brother-in-law had died of cancer about three hours earlier. And I was just wow. outside, just outside of his house. Uh, his fam- his, his mom and dad were there. My in-laws were there and my wife was there and, and his other two brothers were there, but Eddie had the previous, my brother-in-law's Eddie had told me the previous week that don't stop doing those regardless of what happens. And he happened to die at one or two o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Um, and, and I went outside and recorded it and, you know, it was about don't stop, let people know that you care uh, because you never know. Um, it may be the last time. So take time, stop, take time, make your relationships. Um, that was probably the hardest one. So what happens with these Friday features is they are recorded on Friday mornings. And, and this week, you know, we're coming up on uh, two years, 100, 104. And when this comes out, uh, 106 will probably yeah. out as well. But uh, yeah. you just never know. It's kind of like the bouncing ball or the river, if you will. We just do what 
what's going on. Let me follow up now on that. I mean, you're, you're such an interesting guy and we're just meeting for the first time. And I know this won't be the last time we talk because we have so much in common, but you've talked about COVID and you've talked about taking time to connect with people and, and not knowing how much time you have. Uh, I, let me tell this story. You've probably heard of a number of instances where families have been torn apart because of differing views. There's a lot of that going on in the States right now and a lot of it going around with COVID. And my brother and I had that uh, situation and we didn't speak for several months. And then back in October, one of my best friends suddenly died of a, of a brain aneurysm. And we lost him just like that, completely unexpected. And I leveraged that. I reached out to my brother and I said, look, my friend Bruce didn't have a chance to call me. We, were, we weren't arguing or anything. Everything was great between us. But he didn't have a chance to call me because he, didn't, he couldn't take a minute. He didn't have a minute. And I said to my brother, I have a minute. And I wanted to, to do that reconciliation. And um, so based on your leadership here, I mean, that's just another good reminder of uh, paying attention. You don't have as much time maybe as you think, or you don't always know how much time is on the clock. So um, take advantage of that time. So thank you, Sean, for, for that reminder for, for all of us. Well, for your listeners, because you leave this in, I encourage you to leave it in. Are you you're and your brother back? Are you guys back? Are you are you having conversations? Yeah, yeah, we've agreed to leave politics out of our conversations. Good, good. Uh, but but yeah, with those ground rules, yeah, I mean it's great, and uh, and so it's it's definitely important to to do that, and so yeah, so thank you for that. We're talking about leadership here, and as the CEO and, and general manager of your organization, you're expected to lead. But I'd like you to do some coaching. Talk to someone who maybe isn't a CEO. Maybe there's somebody, they're, they're not even a manager of people, but you can still be a leader. Uh, we find in the resilience industry, business continuity, crisis management, resilience, that a lot of times these are small teams, sometimes teams of one. So how would you encourage someone in a role like that to demonstrate leadership? You know, when you're a team of one, you have to decide what it is that you're wanting to do. And I would suspect that you feel that way sometimes, Mark, I'm not sure, but a team of one or our friend, Molly McPherson, that's kind of, that's kind of the crossroads where we probably have connected together. But mm -hmm. if, if I, I think entrepreneurs on themselves, that's a whole different coaching because they're out there on their own. They're doing so many things in the dark that nobody sees. And they're spending a lot of hours trying to, to build their business and do things. I think in the corporate world, you know, I've worked where there's been 9,000, 10,000 employees. And now, you know, where I'm at, I've been on both ends. I've, I've been around a lot of, a lot of things. And, and here I would say, or even in the corporate world, you have to decide what you want. Are you wanting to be a leader of people? Are you wanting to be a leader of process? Are you wanting to be a leader of, of, of talent or something? What, what do you want to lead? And, and I wasn't able to answer that question early on in my life. And I finally decided what I want to do is lead people. I want to change people's lives, whether that was on the coaching field or at the office. And, and I enjoy that. I've often thought about becoming an entrepreneur and doing something on my own, but I like people. And I'm afraid if I was a one-man show, I wouldn't have people around me to coach. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that from an ego standpoint. I just really do enjoy coaching. And so oftentimes when people come to me, one of my first questions is, do you want to move or do you want to stay? 
meaning that do you want to move geographically? Because in my world, my wife and I have moved six major moves to different cities. We've moved in 13 different homes, uh, apartments, if you will, trying to move around. Uh, uh, but it takes a lot to do that. And so when people come to me and they say, I want to be a CEO like you, Sean, my first question typically is, are you willing to move or you are you able to move? Meaning, can you move three hours away? Can you move five hours away? And, and if they tell me they can't move, then there's there's a track for that. And if they tell me they're willing to move, then there's a track for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's in a, kind of in the corporate world. And I suspect a lot of your listeners, I'm not sure where they're at from, but I'm going to guess at least half of them are probably in a corporate office sitting there thinking, how can I become better? Because if they're listening to your podcast, uh, they are trying to get better. That's and right. Then, the, then the, there's six things that I've, I've kind of boiled everything down in my entire career. And maybe there's a book someday, but the six tips is just one is be early. Uh, I'm amazed that people who want to be successful, they come in late. Uh, now there's excuses for things or there's reasons that you're going to be late for the most part. Let people know that you're going to be early. They start to expecting that. And eventually they'll say, well, he's late. Something must really be wrong. Um, or or whatever. And then smile. I'm amazed. The second one is smile. I'm amazed how people come in and they expect to lead people or lead lead an an event and they're in a bad mood. Well, they may have burnt toast this morning, but they better wipe that burnt toast off and smile. And if you can't delegate it, let somebody else do it that day. The third one is act safe. And because I'm in the utility business, but regardless if I'm in the utility business or if we were working at McDonald's or working at wherever it is, You have to have safe employees. You have to have people who encourage. And that means picking up the trash when nobody's looking. That means fixing the the rug when you walk in and you see the rug rolled over by the door. Don't let somebody fall. Don't let, and it's hard to be perfect again on all those things, but take a second and bend over and do that. And then the fourth one is move with purpose. Uh, You have to move with purpose. You have to have, you have to be intentional about what you're doing. I have a legal pad on my desk that I started ironically on January 1st of 2020 because I wanted to measure my time, see where I spend my time at. I've kept this legal pad going now up until today. And and and, and even for me as a CEO, I've marked in, in blue marks, you'll see how many Zoom calls, the purple marks are how many nights in a hotel. Uh, it tells me where location, where I was that day. And it's different than my journal that I have. This is just a simple legal pad that sits on my desk to let me know where I'm spending my time. And then the fifth one I have is don't gossip. I've seen so many careers run because people start gossiping and they think that nobody's listening, hmm. uh, but they may be telling something about somebody else that that word gets around that so-and-so talked about so-and-so. I've seen a lot of careers run because of gossiping. And I encourage people, if you can't say it to their face, don't say it at all. If you're unwilling to walk up to, to, to Joe or Sally or, or, you know, Victoria, whoever that is, Talk to them uh, and let them know how you feel about it because go after it. And then the sixth one, the last one is give thanks, have gratitude in your heart. Uh, we're so blessed. If we're listening to this podcast, if we're, we're actually on here, think about how blessed we are to even have that, um, yeah. have that opportunity. And I, I, I think give, give thanks and handwritten thank you notes and things that make a difference that separate yourself uh, will help you become a leader but you have to be intentional about those things and you have to repeat them over and over and over. Most people get almost there and then they stop. Consistency is the key. And so this isn't something you do because some guy called Sean on a podcast said I should do it. You need to develop this and, and turn this into the habits. And the best example I can give is episode 46 
of your Friday feature where I know you didn't feel like doing it that day, the day your brother-in-law died, but you did it anyhow and you stayed consistent with it. And uh, that's uh, some really good advice here. So thank you for that. We focus on resilience on the podcast. It's called The Resilient Journey. And true leaders know that remaining positive during a disruption is really critical. Talk about staying positive when things go wrong. You've talked about COVID uh, and give some advice on how do you do that? It's really hard at times because you want to go, you want to fly off the handle or you want to, you want to go curl up on a couch somewhere yourself and put your pajamas on. Uh, you know, off the side topic here, I often wonder when I meet people in public and, and I see public people, I have this thing in my head. I wonder what they do when they go home. Um, I know that's a bad thing, but you know, even president X, whoever, whatever you want to use world leader, blah, blah, blah. What do they do when they walk in their house and they find their spouse or their partner? Do they go take, do they go put their sweats on and do they flip the TV on? Do they grab a newspaper? What, what, what is it that, that they do? And, and I, all my career in my life, and it's a backbone of me, it's my wife um, and my children. When I was school board president, when I was even here as CEO or I was in the newspaper business, I knew I could always go home and find her. And I think for resilience leaders, you have to have somebody that you count on because you're going to have some really bad days. You're going to have some really great days, but most, most days are just going to be days that you have to push through and work through. And, and sometimes it becomes mundane, it becomes boring, uh, and, and you have to, you have to be, I think curious is, is a great word that I would use. You have to remain curious throughout your career. Uh, when you stop thinking, when you stop learning, when you stop looking under the hood or, or, or looking around the corners, I think that's the time where maybe you have to change careers or do something else. I, I think the curiosity, what drives people, what's making them push forward, I think, think that's part of being resilient. And, and that ties into the to the last question that I wanted to ask you, because you said in your profile that you have this always interviewing mindset. Is is that what you mean? Is is that when you talk about always being curious, paying attention, allowing others to mentor you, sort of an always on point of view? Is that what you mean by that? I'll answer that in two parts. One, if, if I'm an inspiring leader or somebody that wants to grow in, the, in an organization where you want to grow your own your own career, if you will, you're always interviewing. If you're at a conference, how are you acting? How are you behaving? Are you meeting people? Are you are you collecting business cards so you can send them a handwritten thank you? Are you developing? Are you developing? If, if I take that into the corporate world, it, it's almost the same thing. But every time you meet somebody, that's an opportunity you're interviewing. And when you think about you're always interviewing, the fruit comes at the end, meaning I plant that seed and over time I water and I nurture and I, and, and as, as the fruit, as the tree grows or as you grow, uh, your fruit will come at the end. But you have to be patient and you have to you have to be consistent about your actions. And people are always watching. I, I think that's something that I was taught early on and I made a lot of mistakes as a, as a youngster and as a teenager and I got into trouble and did some things I shouldn't have done. And as I get older, I, I try to avoid that. And people are always watching you. And, and I, I think just remember that you're always being interviewed. And if you want to be successful, uh, you have to be patient and you have to push ahead. And you always have to keep focused that your fruit will come at the end if you do those things right. Yeah, I, I like that. And I was thinking of it from a different perspective. You talk about always interviewing as if people are always interviewing you. I look at it 
from the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always interviewing people. In other words, about six months ago at the time of this recording, uh, a, a group of colleagues and I formed the Resilience Think Tank. And we said, well, what does that mean? Well, we want to be mentors to people. We want to help those teams of one. We want to help people who are new to the organization. We want to give them that person, as you just said, sometimes we all need somebody that we can count on and we want to be there for people. And then we got talking, well, who are our mentors? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, first of all, the other five of this group are our mentors, but Sean, you're acting as a mentor to me right now because I'm interviewing, I'm listening, I'm always soaking in new information. We have our new six tips of things to do and things like that. And so for me, when I saw always interviewing, that's how I took it because I'm always learning. I always want to soak up new information. So it's an interesting perspective. Both sides of that always interviewing really come into play, don't they? Yeah, and that's really interesting that you give me that perspective because that gives me something to think about. And trying to go all the way back to the beginning, some of our talk would have been clear, been having clarity. It's so hard because what you read and what you see is different than what I think or what I, I'm trying to to push across. And, and it gave me something to think about uh, as we move forward. I, I think I think that's what makes us fun. Even, even now we're doing Zoom, I, I, we're meeting people that we've never had a chance to meet before because of COVID. And I, you know, COVID, there was a lot of good things in COVID and there was some bad things and that. Again, trying to make the most, trying to make the best of what the opportunity is in front of you. And it's hard sometimes. Sean, let me get you out of here on this. Uh, Whether it's the Friday feature or just general contact, how can people get in touch with you? I'm just pretty bold. If you want to call me or text me, it's 573-703-7694. I don't have an office phone. I haven't had an office phone in probably seven, eight, nine years. I don't ever use it. I have one phone number and... um, uh, you can probably just Google me and find find me on LinkedIn and, and uh, contact me however you wish. Sean, the time has flown by. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'd like to say thank you to Sean Van Slyke for his leadership and his impact on those around him. Also, thank you, Sean, for being a guest on The Resilient Journey. Some days I feel like I have the best job in the world and interviewing Sean was a pure delight. As always, a huge thanks to ClearRisk for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, can I ask you a favor? Can you share the podcast with your friends and colleagues? Thanks very much. We continue next week by speaking with someone very well known to the resilience world, as Alex Fullock is my guest. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.